Are you ready for John Dixon next week? Yeah. I don't know if you know how much uh, a gift that is to us. Uh, we had pulled him from the leadership summit, you know, that simulcasted all over the world, but he's in Australia, and so he happens to be at Wheaton College that weekend, and he just said, I want to come up. I said, sure, absolutely. So we're going to have him up this next weekend. Um, I want to make a confession this morning. Um, it's, it's been two years, and uh, it's, maybe some of you are familiar, but for two years, I've kind of had this secret, and I just, uh, I need to let it out. Uh, for two years, I've been trying to get this cheap weed whacker going, <laughs> and I've held out that it would, it would finally revive. Like one, you know, I kept thinking after winter, you know, something would happen to this weed whacker. It was cheap. And I'm cheap, and so I thought, you know, it's going to come back. I know it. And so yesterday, I, I left it lay there in its deadness, and I went and bought a new, brand new one that's got like, you know, a 100-year warranty or something. But uh, I thought it was interesting how in our nature, we sometimes find ourselves doing things over and over, hoping for different results. Uh, that definition is called insanity. And I think sometimes I would go out there finding myself pull that dang cord a hundred times. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And then it gets, you get angry. I wonder if this morning if some of you have lived your life trying to revive religion in your life. That, that you've treated God like a ritual or tradition and it's as if you're going out to the garage of your own life, that spiritual part of your life, and you're pulling the cord hoping to have something new happen, hoping to have a, a sense of hope and energy and excitement like you see other Christians having. And that might be you this morning, that you just need to make a confession of, of a new type of perspective, a new way to think about your faith. My hope is this morning, as we tie up this series called Grace Anatomy, the, the purpose has been to help challenge you, if you are one of those people that have been trying to make religion work, all throughout our Bibles, it will talk about um, the idea that religion was never God's intention, to create a system and a way of self-righteous kind of behavior or pecking order for us to clean ourselves up before God. All throughout the Bible, it talks about us receiving grace. And this morning, that's what we want to dive into a little bit again, of just capping off this series. We said that grace is the unmerited favor of God. And if we were to talk about religion, it really is a different definition. When we say religious behavior, it's about clean up for God. Do the right things for God. I've heard many people show up to church or tell me they can't come to church or come to God because they feel like their life's not ready yet. It's not cleaned up. And they're exactly right. It's not cleaned up, and you'll never get cleaned up. And so grace is the unmerited favor of God, and we know that his greatest gift of that grace to us was Jesus himself. And so when we look for a church, you know, if you're visiting here and you're trying to find a church, you're coming through town, you're whatever it is, and this is not your home, you need to know to find a church that's pointing you toward grace. And that grace is Jesus himself. There is no program, no budget, no pastor that makes 
uh, your faith work. It is Jesus himself that that grace is offered. And we've been unpacking that for several weeks. I would recommend that you go back and maybe look at some of those weeks. And last week we talked about that grace models sacrifice. And how all throughout this book called the Bible, it gives us male and female the mandate to, to receive that grace and let it have its full effect of a life that continues to sacrifice for one another. And remember I pushed a little bit harder on you guys because one of the most beautiful arenas that that gets expressed is in a marriage. When a man fully sacrifices himself uh, for his bride. But this morning, a couple questions again. We asked them last week. I want to re-ask those. I want to ask you is, what has grace produced in you? If there's a measure right now, you know how you have gauges in your vehicle and it tells you when, when certain things are low and, and certain things need to be, be checked. Maybe this morning you need to check this gauge and what has grace produced in your life? It's not opposite. It's not go produce a bunch of things and then you become grace-filled. It is Jesus invading a life and your life should produce a life that has grace in it. And it should produce some things like sacrifice. Maybe a different way to ask it, we asked it last week and re-asking it again now, is who do you look like? Because if grace has invaded your life, if Jesus is the one that you have surrendered your full life to, you should start looking like him. It won't be that people point and say, oh man, you're so religious and, and you're so good. It should be they start to see, you remind me of Jesus. The way you're living your life in the midst of that adversity, in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that struggle, you're starting to look and sound and walk and talk and live like Jesus himself. See, this is the full expression of grace. And that's why we've been trying to unpack it and understand that Grace is not something that we merit or we try to work for. It's receiving Christ. It's where it all starts for us. Where does this go wrong? Well, our world is made up with some cultural expectations and ideas and the American way. I mean, we love our country. We love our freedom. And we love our right to have freedom and our right for equality. But friends, can I tell you, none of those concepts are part of the story of what God calls us to do when we follow Him. You see, in, in a world perspective, it's all about you and I. It's all about us and our rights. And let's make our place. And, and we want to make sure that our voice is heard and we matter. And when you begin to go down that road, the world produces these models of pride and arrogance. Because it's all about them. It's all about them having their way or their ideas. And so you have a world that does that, and the, the Proverbs are true, right? The Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right to a man, to a man or woman, but its end is the way of death. We have no idea that we think we have it all figured out. And what happens in a world system, we begin to elevate ourselves, we put ourselves on a pedestal so that we start to look down on the rest of things of life. We look down on governments, we look down on people in our neighborhoods, on people that are different than us, and we start to create a pecking order. And this, again, friends, is a technicolor picture of what religion looked like in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, and guess what? Today. 
We, we want to push against this type of thinking, and so we want to change the way we think. Changing the way you think has to have a, a different source, and the Scriptures are clear that grace should be producing something else other than pride and arrogance. This morning, uh, we're going to look at this quote because it's going to give us a framework for where we're going to dive this morning. C.S. Lewis, a famous author, uh, many of you have recognized him. It says, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. Let me repeat this this morning. If you're prideful, you cannot know God. The very base of what it means to know Jesus and receive that grace means that you've humbled yourself. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on thing and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. This is the nature of the description of our world today, what it produces. It produces people that elevate themselves to look down on everything else, down on authority, down on people, down on on concepts or whatever they might be, down on faith. And so it shouldn't be surprising this morning that many people are asking for God's grace. How dare you judge me? And we're not saying anything about judging, but grace is not prejudice. It gives to all. And yet in that, God gives grace. It still means that we're to submit ourselves to his authority. And we look for this in the Bible. We look for that in this Bible. And so it's not take grace and then cut out parts we don't like. That's arrogance. That's elevating ourselves as knowing more. We have a culture that watches the news and reads books and elevates themselves as the status of, I know what's best for me in my life. This is the the problem with our world. C.S. Lewis says, if we're proud, we, we can't know God. See, grace models a word that most people in this room are not really familiar with or don't like, and that's submission. Now, this is the common term thrown around with Christians and marriages and women, and women need to submit to men, and then it becomes a big uproar, and, you know, ah, this is terrible. And I want to change the perspective that you have this morning about this word because it's gotten beat up and, and defined in a very worldly way. In fact, this morning, you're going to find men, we're not off the hook. This book preaches and teaches throughout it that men, we are to model submission. I want to paint a picture for what this looks like. The proverb says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That means don't trust yourself in all your ways. Submit to him in all your ways, not just in your marriage, or not just at work, but in all ways. I want you to submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Ephesians 5 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So right away, we know last week we focused on the guys and said you're going to sacrifice. That's kind of a, a setup, and now we're going to talk about women submitting to the men, and that's kind of where you might think this is going. No, I'm, the Bible's clear All of us are to model submission. In fact, the very base and the beginning step for your faith is about submitting yourself and surrendering. Submit yourself to one another. So let's talk about a submission that I'm not talking about this morning, and that's conditional. You see, most people today, 
that call themselves Christians do what I would call more of a selective submission or a conditional submission. I will submit when I get, fill in the blank. You know, maybe at work, I'll submit to that boss as soon as I get this from them. I'll submit when they what? When this happens, when I get this paycheck, when my spouse begins to perform in this way, I'll submit if. You see, what happens is we put conditions on that, and I'm not talking about that this morning. That is not found here in this book. And thank God that the, universe, that the, the God of the universe did not model that type of submission. He gave an unconditional love and grace to us. So, this Greek word submit means more this way, and I'll, hopefully this will set us up for where we're heading this morning. The Greek word was a military term meaning to arrange in a military fashion under the command of a leader. So it looks like this. I was in the Marine Corps, and we would get a command. Uh, one of a higher-ranking officer would come in, and they would say, fall in. We could be in a room like this, and if they came in and just screamed, Fall in. Everybody knew there was a position and a placement for where everybody was supposed to be. And so I would fall in, and I would fall in typically somewhere towards the back of a platoon, which is about 60 to 80 guys. And so I would fall in, but about two or three people in front of me would be my fire team leader who had authority over me. In front of that leader, though, was a squad leader. And he had authority over the fire team leader, but also me. In front of that squad leader was a platoon leader. And he had authority over all the squad leaders who had authority all over the fire team leaders who had authority over everybody else. In front of that platoon leader were usually battalion leaders or squadron leaders. And it's all different in different military scenarios. But falling in meant I fall in, and what I'm looking at is I'm not looking and worried about the fire team leader. I am saying I'm placing myself underneath the direction of the person that is in the front, the very front. In other words, I fell in to the authority of the highest commanding officer that was demanding that we would do that, trusting that they put all of the squad leaders and platoon leaders and fire team leaders in front of me. To submit, biblically, does not mean to be dominated. It doesn't mean to be forcefully you know, hammered down into submission, either in abusive ways, sexually, emotionally, physically. It means, too, in a non-military use, was a volunteer attitude, a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. In other words, I fall in because the one who is ultimately in charge is leading. This morning, if you say that you're a Christ follower, this principle is for you. This principle of the idea that when God calls you to fall in, whether that means at work, in a marriage, in your neighborhood, at a church, He, ultimately, the God, the sovereign God of the universe, placed in front of you authorities. A lot of them. 
a lot of them that you may this morning not like, and you would like to make your submission conditional. If they would, when I. No, this morning we're saying that this idea of submission, as biblically defined, is not about a domination. It is a voluntary falling in and submitting to the authority of. There's a version of Scripture, one of, uh, much like the message, it's called The Voice. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, they have a call out. That means kind of like study notes. This was so good, I had to just place it in there. It says, the word submission evokes concerns about sexism, racism, dehumanization. Unfortunately, there have been very good reasons to draw such conclusions. The true purpose, though, of biblical submission, however, is not the sanction of any type of inequality, but to honor Jesus even in the most difficult circumstances. Offering an attitude of humility toward those who are undeserving of it mirrors the unmerited favor God graciously gives to us. It mirrors that. It reflects His grace. When submission is modeled evenly by all believers, male and female, young and old, it is no longer enslaving, but liberating. So submission is not something we just do. It becomes a product of who we are. It's, it's a, one of the biggest gauges of your ultimate trust in a sovereign God that He's in control. And when you can fall in and do that, it is the most freeing place you'll ever be. Because you will no longer look in front of you at the fire team leader or the marriage that you're in. You'll no longer look at the platoon leader or the squad leader, the, the place that you work, the government that you're underneath. You look to the one isn't that powerful? So we see this model, and I talked about this last week. In our Bibles, our Bibles are split into three different sections. There's a lot of different ways to split it up, but there's an Old Testament. The Father becomes the one who's in the forefront of the Old Testament. And the Spirit and the Son are submissive to His will. In the New Testament, we have the Son that's out there, obviously on earth in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Father and Spirit sit in the background. And then we see that the Spirit, as soon as Jesus dies and ascends, that the Father and the Son are now supporting the Spirit. I'm giving you this picture because it's all throughout your Bible, this idea of submission. It's not a new idea. And it's not just for women in a marriage. We, we got this, this idea of hierarchy, setting ourselves up to elevate ourselves and pointing a finger of where people should be. No, this picture this morning is a beautiful picture for all of us, male and female, to begin to reflect and mirror the grace of God. Romans 13 says this, For in one authority, God's servant uh, is for your good. Or for one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for rulers don't bear the sword for no reason. They're God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. I, I want to say just for a moment, and he's going to talk about taxes and whatnot. There are a lot of arenas of authority that we're all in this morning. And I'm going to go through a lot of different arenas. I'm going to do that to let you know, both male and female this morning, you have a higher calling 
than to elevate yourselves and rebel against authority. What Paul's saying here is there's actually a physical reality of you submitting to authority because you don't want to get punished. Like, you may not like the speed limit, and you may disagree with it, but there's a reality to it that you don't want to get the ticket and pay the fine and maybe go to jail. There are reasons why. Now, Paul's talking to a, a Christian culture that's facing the opposition and persecution from Rome. He's, they're burning Christians. He's saying... You need to fall in to the authority that's in front of you. If they're going to ask for 50% of your taxes, they're going to ask for 50% of your taxes. You don't have to like it. You don't have to write them a thank you letter. But you need to be obedient. You'll see why in a moment. Colossians. If you're not disciplined, everyone who undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons or daughters of all. Now, I want to make a comment. This is a little bit of a commentary on what's going on in Green Bay here. There are some billboards out there. Have you seen them? OneSorryBastard.com. Um, I don't agree with that 100%. And the methodology of reaching people who don't know God with a billboard uh, for that. The reason the per person took this is taking it out of some of the texts. And one would be this idea of legitimate, legitimacy, sons and daughters. And so they'll take the old King James and they'll take that off of there and that's supposed to motivate people into the faith. Um, not very effective. Uh, Paul's going to say here, moreover we have not, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as they thought it was best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. I'm putting this up there to say, have you ever thought that the God of the universe has actually placed authorities in front of you, whether good or evil, for your own good or for their own good. What I want to propose this morning is that this grace-modeling submission really illuminates your full and trust in a sovereign God that He's in charge. And maybe you've been placed with somebody in front of you that you completely disagree with and maybe is evil or even treating you harshly, but maybe God has you for there for a reason, for you, for them. First Peter says this, live such good lives among the pagans, that means people who don't know God, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visit us. In other words, Fall in. So that, that fire team leader, squad leader, that marriage, that workplace, that church, whatever it is, sees how you respect and fall into authority that they can't help but see the grace of Jesus in your life. It says, submit yourselves. Fall in. For the Lord's sake, to every human, human authority. Not a couple, to every human authority. I mean, today, this morning, in America, this reads very different than being in a communist country. In a country that's being led by a dictator. This looks very different, doesn't it? And it's easy for us as Americans because we are a prideful country. And we what? It's all about our rights. It's all about our freedom. And I'm not saying I don't love those things. I do. 
Biblically, God says, I'm in charge. And you might be born in communist China, and this still works. Submit yourselves. Fall in, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor, was a Caesar back then, as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who are doing wrong and commend those who do right. In other words, God's in charge. And when I would fall in, I wasn't, even if I didn't like my fire team leader or squad leader or platoon leader, I was falling in respecting a greater leader. And I was going to fall in underneath that fire team's leader just so that my commander would be pleased and I would honor them. Another way to look at it is this way visually. I would say that probably most of us in this room would not disagree that there's a God that loves and is in control of all things. He's created the entire universe. Whether I, I'm sure God knows how long the construction project on 41 is going to actually take, right? <laughs> he knows. I, he's probably in charge, and he knows it, right? I trust that. Um, if there's a God in charge, typically what happens when people come to faith... They, they perceive themselves as right next to God. It's God and I. And I get so close to God, then everything else around me should fall in place underneath me. Right? I love God. I'm, I'm with God. I'm, I'm connecting with Him. And so church should just work the way I like it to work. My workplace should just work the way I want it to work. My marriage should just be just like heaven on earth. Government. All the things that I want fixed with our government and the right presidents and governors and mayors. All that should work out. Family. Community. And so the perception is when it doesn't work out that way, what is it? I'm looking down on. I don't agree with. I disagree with. And it's, it's that looking down that C.S. Lewis, uh, Lewis talked about. I want to give you a different way to look at it though. When you became a Christian, a Christ follower, something different happened you became the lowest role. Jesus would kneel down as, what, a servant and wash the feet of his disciples. He modeled foot washing. Why did he do that? He, he did that to show his disciples that, was that when you follow and humble yourself to receive that grace of Christ, you've been placed in the servant role. Yes, you're connected with God, but could we say this morning that you came to God, you took the lowest of roles. That means you're not looking down on church, workplace, and community, family, government, and marriage. When you fall in on that role, you see through all the authorities. You see through all the world's ways. You see through all the pecking order. You see through all the stuff of, that makes you uh, the ability to be prideful about you. And you see God. It's like me standing back when I would stand back in the Marine Corps and stand at attention and, and look ultimately at a commander. I wasn't seeing all the, the leaders in front of me and how they were failing. I saw a commander. When you become a Christ follower and you give yourself to Christ, you see through all the other stuff in front of you, all the authorities. And here's what's beautiful. When you do that, and fall in and submit to those authorities that God has placed in front of you, 
they start to say, gosh, we're treating this guy so bad. There's something different about him, though. He keeps falling in. He keeps being submissive. He, he keeps a, a life of grace. In your marriage, it, it might be that you think, well, I'm only going to submit when. No, it says in Scripture even. We'll look at that. Man, what if you were looking through that and just saying, I, where your spouse said, man, my, my wife models something I've never seen before. I've heard that story. I've heard that story in our church with marriages. How about in your community? How about in the government? The church isn't supposed to go out and, and fix government. That has never been our job. Never. It doesn't mean that we don't try to right the wrong that's in this world and try to do the best we can, but not in rebellion. We've never been called to that. We need to fall in in such a way that we honor the commander that's ultimately in charge. So Jesus models this in beautiful ways. He models it in the garden. We see that Jesus, he doesn't want to be crucified. The human part of him doesn't want. He says, God, I don't really want to do this, but it's your will. I'm going to submit to your will. Jesus even submits to the authority of Pontius Pilate. He could have put him in his place. He could have intellectually talked him, in, talked him out of what he was going to do, but he submitted to his authority. Remember when Peter asks, should we pay taxes? And Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. What Jesus is modeling is the authorities that have been placed in front of us, the Father has a reason. God has a reason that probably you and I don't fully get. Here's a couple of the, the, the arenas. Hebrews 13, have confidence in your leaders. You know what he's talking about? The elders and, and the staff and the, those who've been elevated in the church. Have confidence in your leaders and submit. Fall into their authority. Because they keep watch over, your, over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit. You know, a lot of churches will have pa uh, elders, and we have elders. One of the things that so disheartens me, and I don't want to be... I, I'm trying to move away from that these days in our church culture, is where you have elders that are elders for a time, and they're so beat up, by, by the church followers, they're done. They ride off in the sunset. They either quit church, they don't want to do that. It's like, I've done my time. It says here how this is supposed to work for us. We're supposed to so fall into the leadership that God has appointed that it is a joy for them. Now, just so you know, none of our elders have complained about how bad it is to lead you. Just wanted you to know that. I have not got no complaints, but I want you to hear that. Wouldn't the church work better when we recognize and we see through what we don't agree with or don't like? First Peter 5 says, in the same way, those who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, shows favor to the humble. You have church leadership. This is not a, a, a push for you to say, submit to me. I need to submit to the elder board. I need to submit to authorities also. And in such a way, when I fall in, I have to just trust that God is in charge. 
How about in government? Romans 13, 1-3, the voice, that version of Scripture, it says, it is important that all of us, not just Democrats, not just Republicans, not just a certain party, all of us submit to the authorities who have charge over us because God establishes all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, a person who rebels against authority rebels against the order he established. The, the, and people like that can expect face certain judgment. In other words, what if God put you in an adversarial posture with some authority over you for a good reason? Maybe for you. Maybe for that person. I mean, this is a, a whole radical way. See how this does not fit? Nobody wants to talk about this at church. This is not to pump you up, you know? Submit. Fall in. It doesn't work in the American way. How about in where we work? 1 Peter 2. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Did you see how Peter throws this in? Honor the emperor. Again, he's burning Christians. He's, he's persecuting Christians, the emperor, at this point. Wouldn't that give the church right just to, to raise, raise arms and, and to, uh, to protest? It says, honor the emperor. Slaves. Back in that time, was a very different picture of slavery. These slaves, you could sell yourself into a bondservant role and live a pretty normal life. But he's saying, in reverent fear of God, fall in to the authority of. Submit yourself to your masters. Not only to those who are doing good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. I mean, think about this text. This, this works all throughout the world today where people are in situations where authority is harsh against them, harshly leading them. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. There's a power when someone can step back and say, I'm respecting your authority because God has placed you there. I mean, you want an interesting conversation next time at work where you don't really like the boss or the authority? Just tell them, I'm going to submit to your authority because I know God's placed you there. Think about that. How about in community? James Forrest says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires and battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet. You can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you do not ask. When you ask, you don't receive because your motives are wrong. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. We want, we want to be elevated. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or separation from God? You are against God. This goes back to that idea of when we try to elevate ourselves above the authorities placed above us, we start to separate ourselves from a trusting place, a posture of humility toward a God that's sovereign. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he, is, he jealously longs for the Spirit that He has caused to dwell in us, but He gives us more grace? That's why Scripture says this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. 
You see, submission has its deepest roots for us as Christians. And grace models this. Not only sacrifice, but submission for both men and women. It has one of its most beautiful arenas, though, we can see and we can land here this morning in marriage. It's not reduced just to marriage. This is for men and women alike. But in a marriage, as I pushed on guys last week, you are to sacrifice Not conditionally, unconditionally. You're to give yourself away to your bride. No matter what. I have a friend that for 15 years, his wife did not know Christ. She was an atheist. And he loved her. And he sacrificed for her. 15 years, what she would say is, I was so humbled and broken by my my husband's sacrifice. Now, I'm not setting you up, guys, because now, you know, the the wife's looking at you going, you don't do that. Because really, both roles are modeling a picture of of what God wants us to see a relationship with Him like. 1 Peter says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So if anyone do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Now, friends, this is not submission in the world's eyes domination you don't have anything to say i'm in control we're not none of that is in the definition of submission it is falling in line and saying i trust that god the sovereign god of the universe has placed you as my husband i will therefore fall in it says when they see the purity and reverence of your lives They'll be blown away. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles. I mean, I don't think this is wrong, by the way. You, four daughters and a wife, they can, you can do your hair. Um, and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. It's saying, what is the thing that makes you beautiful, though, is your sovereign love and trust in a God that gave you your spouse. That's a beautiful picture. Ephesians 5, the voice, again, And the Spirit makes it possible to submit humbly to one another out of respect for the anointed. That means those of us who are Christians. Wives, it should be no different with your husbands. Submit to them as you do the Lord. For God has given husbands a sacred duty to lead. What did we say that looks like? It means die, right? It's not like a glorious CEO position, right? You're in charge of everything, you get paid more. It's we're called to die and sacrifice, says, for God has uh, called husbands to the sacred duty to lead as the anointed leads the church and serves as the head. So wives should submit to their husbands respectfully in all things, just as the church yields to the anointed one. Grace models submission. See how none of us are off the hook this morning? Man, woman, doesn't matter. The authority's in front of you. And we have this awesome opportunity to wrap up this series, but to say, If grace is something that we've received, unmerited from God, then it should be changing us. And we should be sacrificing and submitting and blowing the world away with that. Ultimately this morning, it's a question of who do you trust. It's it's challenging your trust in the sovereignty of God. And Bobby's going to come up and sing a song that I've been just moved to tears the last couple of weeks with Chris Tomlin's song called Sovereign. And sovereign means the one in charge. 
It means the highest of commanders that I can see when I fall in, and that is God Himself. And I want you not to go to communion yet. I want you just to sit there and when inspired or when led to say to God and sing the words yourself that I will trust you, just stand and begin to sing the song with Bobby. It says, Sovereign the mountain air, sovereign the ocean floor, with me in the calm, with me in the storm, sovereign in my greatest joy, in my deepest cry, with me in the dark, with me in dawn. In your everlasting arms, all the pieces of my life, from the beginning to the end, I can trust you. In your never-failing love, you work everything for good. God, whatever comes my way, I will trust you. Whatever authority you placed in front of me, I will trust you. Father, this morning, we pray that we would be a church that was submitting this way to a sovereign God who is in charge of all things. In Jesus' name, amen.